I feel I need a holiday, a very long holiday, probably a permanent holiday. I feel all thin, sort of stretched, if you know what I mean, like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. That can't be right. I need a change or something. Those are Bilbo Baggins' words to Gandalf in the opening pages of Lord of the Rings. I say opening pages, it's like page 40, but that's still opening (laughs) for him, right? But um, if we exchange vacation for holiday, you know, since we're American, uh, this quote could come from probably any one of us here. A survey from January found that Americans are more tired and have more prolonged feelings of exhaustion than ever. If I had to guess, or even if we just think about it statistically, many of you know that feeling. We have to-do lists a mile long, whether it's for our jobs, our families, our houses, our yards, our kids. It just doesn't stop. Add to that the nonstop pressures and stressors of these past few years. And what do we expect? What if I told you that God, in his goodness, has given us the antidote to this epidemic? Not only has he given it, but he has commanded it. Let's read our passage from Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would help us this morning. As we look at your law, help us to delight in it. Help us to see your good and gracious character in giving us what is good for us. God, convict us where we need convicted. Comfort us where we need comforted. And work in us by your Spirit that we might be more like your Son. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing on in our study of the Ten Commandments that we started a little bit earlier um, this summer. And today, we come to the Fourth Commandment, which is probably the most controversial of them. We're good with thou shalt not murder. That one makes sense to us, right? But Sabbath keeping, it's the one we most easily dismiss. We struggle to cease. That's what the word Sabbath means, to cease from our weekly endeavors for a whole day a week and to set it apart as a holy day of rest, worshiping God and trusting in his work on our behalf. So let's just dive right in, shall we? Stan would say, right? 
first asking, does this command still apply to us? I think that's where we have to start. I didn't, we didn't practice the Sabbath growing up. I grew up in a Christian household. I would guess many of you didn't as well. So Deuteronomy is the, the second copy of the Ten Commandments. The first comes in Exodus 20 when God originally gives them. In that, in that other account of the Ten Commandments, the ending is different. It's not rooted in God's redemption from Egypt. It's actually rooted in the rhythm of God's work in creation. That he works for six days and he rests on the seventh. And he blesses it and makes it holy. And then so must we. That we are... We who are made in his, in his image are to imitate his pattern. It's actually baked into creation itself and the way that we keep our days. I don't know if you've ever thought about this really, but the way we count a year makes sense. It's a revolution around the sun. Months make sense. It's roughly revolution of the moon around the earth. Days make sense. It's a rotation of the earth on its axis. But where does a week come from? There's no scientific explanation for it like there are for the others. Different cultures have tried to make something like a week, different lengths, or rejected it altogether and just had months, and it just doesn't work out. (laughs) Seven days is a week. It's how it is. It's how God made it. It's actually baked into creation itself. And then as we've been talking about different kinds of law in the Bible these last few weeks, Civil law, so the laws for the nation state of Israel, the ceremonial law, those having to do with the temple and the sacrifices that have all been fulfilled in Christ. And then the moral law that's still in effect. It's in the Ten Commandments. If you read through the Old Testament, it's talked about a lot, and there are certainly civil and ceremonial aspects of the Sabbath that have expired or been fulfilled But the moral aspect remains. And so I believe the command for the Sabbath does still apply to Christians today. Though some of the Old Testament aspects have changed, including the day of the week. And as I've studied this over the last few years, like I said, I didn't grow up with this. And then again this last week, it just reinforced the ongoing validity of the Sabbath in my mind. Combine it with, I don't see anything in the New Testament that necessitates it going away, the things Jesus says are that he's Lord of the Sabbath. That doesn't dismiss it. And it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Always has been. That doesn't do anything away with it. Jesus kept it perfectly, though the Pharisees claim he didn't. That's wrong. Probably the most challenging passage is Colossians 2. If you want to sit down and talk with that, I'd love to get together with you and talk about it, but we don't have time here this morning. But just with these two things, that it's rooted in creation itself and that it's smack dab in the list of eternal moral commands, they just make it really hard for me to try to justify why I'm not obligated to keep the Sabbath. But I think therein lies the problem. I'm looking at it as something I have to do. Another command I have to obey. Another restriction God is putting upon me. But this time, it's even for stuff that's not sinful. It's stuff that's fine. Six days a week, go ahead and do it. But not today. Like, how much more arbitrary do you get? Maybe some of you have thought or still think about the Sabbath this way as restrictive. God's being stingy. 
God's being a little ridiculous asking for one whole day out of seven. But when we look at it that way, we're really maligning God's character. He's not a cosmic overlord making arbitrary commands on a whim. He's a loving father who gives only good gifts to his children, who meets our every need. He gives us and commands us things that are good for us and that should delight us. The fault is not with the Sabbath, but with us. So I think we actually need to change our perspective. So instead of even asking, why should I have to give God a whole day of my week? Let's ask, even if you don't think it's binding, why wouldn't I want to keep the Sabbath? We think of it as restrictive, but when we look at the text, it's the first command that's actually positive. It's only one of two that don't begin with the prohibition. Look at verse 12. It says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. It's not something we can't do. It's something we get to do. We get to make it holy. We get to set it apart to the Lord. We get to give it to him, to the one who redeemed us, who gives us life, who gives us peace, who gives us rest. And we know something of what this is like, don't we, to joyfully give someone we love a day. We do it for birthdays or anniversaries. It's like me saying to Allison, it's your birthday. What do you want to do? We can do anything you want to do. You just tell me and I'll make it happen. Or better yet for her, conversations we have, you know, it would be better if I take the initiative and try to be thoughtful (laughs) and plan the day myself. I make her breakfast in bed and bring it to her. I take care of Lucy so she can relax, have a nice little outing plan that I'll know she loved that I personally don't care for in the afternoon. I've already made dinner reservations at her favorite spot and scheduled a babysitter. Right? I've done these things and I'm happy to do it because I love her. I'm not complaining that I can't send more emails or watch my TV shows or mow the lawn. I want to honor her. It gives me joy to celebrate her. It's my joy to give her my day. If I'm being honest, though, these are plans I have. This is not my track record, okay? Just. <laughs> but that's, that might be what it's like to observe Allison's day, to set it apart for her. Now imagine I'm planning to do that, and because I do that, Allison knows that I'm thinking this through instead of wondering, is he doing anything? Does he remember it's my birthday? She knows that I'm going to. So she comes up to me and says, I know you're planning all this stuff. And that would be so nice. But what I really want most is to give you what you need. To bless you with my day. So that's what I'll be expecting for your birthday this next year, Alice. Just kidding. But that's what God does with us. We come up with these excuses for why we don't have to give him a day of our week. But when we do, he doesn't just take it from us. He takes it and he actually turns it back 
and gives it to us and gives us rest and gives us himself and gives us what we actually need. How good of God to bless us with his day. Look what it says in verse 14. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Then verse 15 on why he's giving it here in the Deuteronomy account. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. They were slaves in Israel. They didn't get a day off. They worked day after day after day. They didn't have the time, the ability to take time to rest and to worship God. That's what, when God sends Moses in the first time to Pharaoh, it says, let my people go so they can celebrate a feast to me. Right? So they can worship me in their enjoyment. <laughs> So when God delivers them and commands them to set a day apart for him, what does he do with his day? He makes them take a day off. You believe the nerve of our God. He gives them what they truly need to truly function as his people. Rest and space to worship him. Isn't that what we need too? With the busyness of our lives, the constant contact from work, smartphones are a blessing and a curse, the seemingly endless piles of laundry, meal prep, constant expectations to have our kids participate in any and every activity, and then the necessary chauffeuring that goes along with all of those. We look on social media and we see what everyone else is doing. Shouldn't we be doing that too? And on and on it goes. It's like this constant weight on our shoulders telling us we need to do more, that we need to be more. We're not slaves like Israel. Most of us get two or three days off a week from work. More than they did. And yet we are more tired and have more prolonged feelings of exhaustion than ever. What is going on? Maybe the Sabbath is exactly what we need because the counterfeit, counterfeit rest that we're giving ourselves is not enough. At the same time that we're more tired than ever, all the data shows that we're watching more TV than ever as well. We think crashing on the couch will help, but it doesn't. It's not giving us life. How many of us are looking to the upcoming vacation to finally get the rest we need? Moy raised his hand. I'm so thankful for the vacation we just have. I praise God for it. Not criticizing vacations. You didn't see us here for three weeks because we were on vacation. It was the most refreshing vacation I've probably ever had. It's a great time with Allison and Lucy. And then great time with Allison without Lucy. And all you parents know what I'm talking about. 
And I came back to work on Monday refreshed, feeling great. Do you know what? I'm in need of rest again already. And that's okay. God made us that way. He made us so we need to sleep. So we need to take time off. But ultimately to rest in him. And he gives us a day to do that. Every week. Don't look to your next vacation to sustain you. Look to God to sustain you. And you don't have to wait more than six days for your next time of rest. How good is that? In his mercy, he's given you a day every week to refresh your soul and body, to be filled by him, to rest in him. Only he can give you the true rest that you need. So Jesus says, come to me, all who weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Some of you here this morning might think that sounds a little out there. What is he talking about? <laughs> it's just me being religious because I'm the pastor, right? What, what I really need is sleep. That's it. And that partially may be true. <laughs> you might need sleep, but that is not all you need. So just let me ask, how's it working out for you without him? Living for weekends that only go by too fast. Trying to do all the right things only to find out there's always more to be done. Or that we're not getting from the world what we deserve. Frustrated with everything else that's going, going on wrong. When we're doing these things, when we're not finding rest in him... We're ignoring the fact that we're worn out and burdened and fail to truly rest because of sin. That's where it's rooted. That's where it comes from. Our own sin. The ways we've rejected God. The ways we've tried to live lives that are contrary to that for which we're created. And then also the effects of sin around us. Both from within and without pressing upon us. And the truth is that no amount of self-care can truly free you from that. We should take care of ourselves. I'm not saying that. But even when the emphasis is the self, we have an issue. We actually need to look outside of ourselves to get outside of ourselves if we want to experience true peace and true rest, we need to look to Jesus. That's why he came to take our sins, to take the consequences of them upon himself, to fully obey the law that we can't on our behalf so that we can be set free. 
So we don't have to try and bear this impossible burden of doing all the right things all the right times. And he came to restore us. And we can experience that now. At least in part, in this life, real restoration. Being made new. Going from light to dark, darkness to light, from death to life. And praise God that when he returns, we will experience it fully. Where there will be no more endless striving. All that's sad will come untrue quote Tolkien again. And this is the whole point. We don't have to earn his love or forgiveness. We can't. All we have to do is receive it. To trust him. To rest in it. To say, I can't do it, but you have done it for me. And to live in light of that, resting in his finished work and by faith to cease from trying to do it on our own. Hebrews talks about this. He says, they says in the book, there's a Sabbath that remains, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. He's talking about this one that was to come. And how do we enter that rest? By believing in Jesus, the one who is greater than Moses, who delivered these ten words to us. He fulfills the Sabbath for us, and yet gives it back to us to rest in him. That's the truth. We will not find rest unless we find it in Jesus. We may find physical refreshment but not true rest. We even see this pictured in the way the Sabbath changes from Saturday for the people of Israel to Sunday in the church. In Genesis 2, after God finishes creating, he rests on the seventh day and blesses it and makes it holy. It comes at the end of the week. It's this picture for Adam. There is rest to come. God finished his work of creation in Genesis, but Jesus finished some work too. He cries out on the cross, it is finished. And he rises again from death on the third day. It's the first day of the week now, Sunday. And now we begin our week with rest and then go to work in light of that. Where we find rest has already come for us. We're not awaiting his coming. We can cling to him even now. You might argue we should rest in him every day. To which I say amen. But if we're honest, we don't. I don't. Not consistently. How gracious of God to then go and give us a day every week to remind us, to reset, to reorient our hearts 
and lives, to gather with God's people, to be reminded of our rest in Christ, to hear his word, to celebrate his sacraments, to be commanded to cease from all striving. This may be just the thing we need. How good of God to command it. And I get the challenge. Right? (laughs) I get it. It's hard to set aside our typical pursuits on Sundays. This probably legitimately would have been easier 60, 70 years ago. When everything was shut down, not just Chick-fil-A. When you didn't have to worry about your job wanting you to work. When there weren't tournaments scheduled on Sundays. It's harder now. How are we going to keep up with our colleagues if we don't put in those extra hours? Will we miss promotions or other opportunities? Will our kids have the same chances, the same opportunities for success if their Sundays look different than their classmates? Will I be able to keep up the image of our home if I can't catch up on laundry or cleaning that I wasn't able to get done earlier? Won't we all fall behind? To which I ask, do you trust God? Do you really trust him? Do you trust that he will meet your needs? That he will give you everything you need? That he loves you and will guide and direct your life and have you exactly where you're supposed to be? Do you trust that he truly loves you and what he commands isn't a power trip, isn't to deprive you, but it's for your good, that it's what you need? I mean, when everything else is just around us screaming that we need to do more, that we can't stop, God says, stop. And trust me enough to rest. You can't do it. But I've done it for you. I will give you everything you need. Do you trust God enough to meet your needs and give you what you need to actually set aside the day for him? For worship and rest. God has commanded it, and I think it's obvious we need it. But how do we keep it? If you haven't yet, this is where you get out your pens for the list of do's and don'ts I'm about to give you. If you'll just follow my list, you'll nail it. Solve all your life's problems. No more troubles. Hopefully you know that I'm being facetious, right? That's the point. We can't nail it. We can't do it. So he tells us, cease, stop. No matter how hard you try, we need to stop trying and trust that God will give us what we need. It's like let go of the reins and let him lead us. As Carrie Underwood said, Jesus, take the wheel. Right? 
Sorry about that one. <laughs> I apologize now. But if we're honest, that's what we want though, right? Is this list of how do I do this? How do I achieve it? How do I get it done? That's what the Jews did. Jesus condemns the Pharisees for. They had this lengthy list of what you could and couldn't do. But they missed the heart of it completely. Jesus heals people and says it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath when they're condemning him for it. Even though they were willing to do other things of necessity, like pull their animals out of a hole. And that's okay too. If we're honest, it's not just the Pharisees. The church has failed in this. We've done these same things. It's probably part of the reason that we have such a tendency to react against it. Kevin DeYoung um, writes that in New England there were 39 pages of small print Sabbath laws in the days of the pilgrims. And uh, even Puritan John Owen says, a man can scarcely in six days read over all the duties that are proposed to be observed on the seventh. <laughs> we can't forget that the Sabbath was made for us and not us for the Sabbath. It's for our good, not so it can be kept. So how do we keep it? I think the two things that I've mentioned before need to govern it. Worship and rest. These are the two main ideas flowing through it. In our text, we see that it's to be kept holy. It's to be sanctified and set apart for worship. For the Jews, they would gather in the, the temple or the synagogue for corporate worship. And that continued with the church on the Lord's Day in the New Testament. On Sundays, they would gather. So I think that should be a priority, gathering for corporate worship every Sunday. And when you're on vacation. But it's also an opportunity to press into the things of God that maybe we don't have the time for during the week. If I had to guess, I'd say many of us probably have Bible reading plans or theology books that we would love to read but just don't have the time for. Or you want to journal some prayers. These things that we don't get to do because of all the other things that we have to do. Sunday's an opportunity to do some of those. I'm not saying you have to Christianize everything. I'm not saying read only Christian books, listen to Christian music, watch Christian movies, whatever that means, because I don't think it's as clear as we often make it. But think about some ways that we can go further up and further in God that maybe we don't have time for when we have all these ob other obligations during the week. It's a day for worship. It's also a day for rest. A day of ceasing. It says in verse 13, six days you shall labor and do all your work. It's actually a command to labor for six days hidden here in this command to rest. We're not getting into that today, but that might be something that you actually need to think about. Then on the seventh day, you are not to do any work. You are to cease from your normal work, from your typical weekly labors, and you are to rest from them. And you are also to provide Sabbath rest for others. Dad, you don't get to kick your feet up on the couch and have your kids go and doing all the work. Your sons and daughters are provided rest as well. 
your servants or probably employees is the better word. You're to provide Sabbath rest for them. Your work animals, sojourners within your gates, or to provide rest as God does with us. Practically, it's going to take a little bit of planning ahead. It means we might have to do some things on Friday or Saturday that will make it so we don't have to do our typical work on Sunday. It takes preparation. The illustration I used before of Allison's birthday, it's not all that different. You have to plan ahead for it. I have to make sure my other responsibilities are covered so that I can enjoy her day and actually give it to her, that I can be present. I don't think she wants me responding to emails during dinner. If I didn't call ahead and schedule a babysitter, good luck finding one. <laughs> it actually takes some planning ahead if we're going to cease from work on Sundays. But what is this rest? I'm going to read a quote from Jen Wilkin that says it well. More than deliberate cessation of work for the purpose of decompressing, Sabbath is the deliberate cessation of any activity that might reinforce my belief in my own self-sufficiency. It is not merely rest that restores, but rest that reorients. It reminds us that we are not God. So, this is what you guys want to hear, right? Can you take a nap? Can you watch a ball game? Can you do some gardening? Watch a movie? Make a big meal? Do the laundry? Study for school? Shoot off just a couple quick emails? Have people over? Go out to eat? Or whatever else we tend to occupy our Sundays with? Can we do those things and still obey the Lord? Maybe, maybe not. Sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not going to lay down laws that are going to bind your conscience in it. But I think we need to think about these things and actually adapt our behavior accordingly so we can truly rest. Because we need it and because God commands it. So in closing, I'm going to give you a few questions that you might want to ask as you're thinking through your activities. This is by no means exhaustive, but these are some that I find helpful. Does this help me to rest in Jesus? Does this help me to delight in Christ and see his goodness and beauty? Am I doing this because I trust him? And not my own effort. Does this show Christ's love and mercy for others through me? And is this better suited for another day of the week instead of the Lord's Day? If we're honest and we're really struggling and wrestling through this, there are changes we're going to make in my own life too. But I need it. Ask these questions and let the answers guide our behavior. The day will look a lot different than all the others. And I think that's what we actually need. Because same old, same old isn't working. 
we can cease from our striving and trust God to give us what we need. We can actually rest in him.